What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I hope you all are having fantastic Thursdays so far. And as I was coming up with ideas of what to talk about on today's show, I uh, realized that college fo- while college football has sort of taken over the bulk of what I've been talking about for obvious reasons, uh, one of the things that I've been missing over the last few weeks are all of the storylines that have been going on in the NFL on the pro side. And so that's sort of what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to be sort of catching all of you guys up on some of the major storylines in the NFL up until this point. And at the very end of the show, I'm going to be giving my prediction and sort of what my thoughts are on the World Series in Major League Baseball, which I believe Game 1 is tomorrow. So it should be a very exciting series between the Houston Astros and the as much as it pains me to say this, obviously, me being an Atlanta Braves fan and all, but the Philadelphia Phillies will, of course, be paired up with the Houston Astros in this year's edition of the Fall Classic. And so, I'm going to get to that at more in detail at the very end of the show. Uh, but in the meantime, we go to the NFL, and I'm going to start out with a very basic question. How about those Tennessee Titans and the fact that they are now 4-2 and two after, of course, this past Sunday, beating the Indianapolis Colts to sweep the Colts uh, for the season. They've, of course, won both meetings against Indy this year after taking the first first meeting uh, between the two in, back in week four by a score of 24-17. to 17. And it's really just remarkable that the Titans are in the position that they are in. Mainly because of what they've had to do on the injury front. I mean, even since the beginning of the season, before the season even began with Harold Landry suffering the ACL injury and all of the guys that have had to deal with injuries throughout the season. Taylor Lewan is 
of course, done for the year. Traylon Burks is dealing with an injury right now. I believe, I can't remember exactly when his return date is set to be, but I believe that he will come back at some point soon, uh, soon, definitely sooner rather than later this season. But, of course, he's been banged up. And the fact that the Titans, those are just a few of the notable guys who have been banged up. But even in the Colts, staying with the injury situation, even in the Colts game on Sunday, you have Ryan Tannehill and Ben Jones both uh, dealing with injury problems. And of course, still finding ways to quite literally play through the pain. And of course, everybody's seeing the emotional video of Mike Vrabel and Ben Jones in the tunnel after the game with Mike Vrabel giving Ben Jones the big hug and everything. It was obviously a tear-jerking video, uh, for sure. But, and I'm going to get to Mike... I'm going to get to Mike Vrabel a little bit more in detail here momentarily. But despite dealing with all these injuries, the Titans are still finding ways to win. And I know that I understand that the four, their four wins this year have been against the Colts twice the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Washington Commanders. I totally understand that. But, as we all know, a win is a win. And the Titans have just find, found, kept, they keep finding ways to win football games. Mike Vrabel is, of course, a huge reason why. And the fact that he has been able to, he as a coach, and he and his coaching staff have been able to churn through all of these injured players and still find ways to win games is absolutely remarkable. It's probably the biggest reason why Mike Vrabel won the Coach of the Year award last season. And it's another reason why I think he will, at the very least, come in a close second in the race for the Coach of the Year title this season. And of course, the reason why I say he may be a close second is because of the guy that I'm about to start talking about right now, who is Brian Dable, the 
first year head coach of the New York Giants, who are having an absolutely phenomenal start to their their uh, regular season. Well, we will of course wait to see down the road if they make it to the postseason or not. But in the meantime, the Giants are five and one. Of course, one of those wins was against the Tennessee Titans, obviously. But Brian Dable's just done an absolutely phenomenal job. And of course, he did have a few key pieces that he inherited. Uh, the most notable of those pieces is Saquon Barkley, obviously, who's having a resurgence, as it were. And uh, I do think that Saquon is back, so to speak, especially going back to his phenomenal rookie season. Obviously, he's had a few rough years sandwiched in between then and now, but this year, Saquon has 143 carries for 726 yards and four touchdowns and is averaging about five yards a carry. And I would have to go back and check the exact statistics for sure, uh, but I believe that all of those numbers are, they rank in the top 10 in every single one of those categories. And so it's easy to say, judging by those numbers, that Saquon is back. Uh, he does have a much improved offensive line to work with, obviously. The Giants have drafted, I would say, very well on the offensive on the offensive line over the last few years. Uh, obviously, with Evan Neal, their first round pick this year, and Andrew Thomas, who was their first round pick from two years ago, they've obviously got the two bookend tackles together, so to speak, which obviously helps out a guy like Saquon Barkley. The one issue I have with the Giants is, you know, it all comes down to the quarterback. It, it all comes down to Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Danny Dimes. And reason I say that is because I still have questions about whether or not Daniel Jones, if he is put in a situation where he has to win the game, the final outcome of the game rests on his shoulders, I don't know whether or not he would be up for that challenge because... Remember, 
Daniel Jones is a first-round draft pick, former first-round draft pick as well. And for any first-round draft pick, there's always that added sense of even more pressure being put on you. And up until this point, Daniel Jones has not been in a situation where he has had to deal with that extra pressure, mainly because the Giants have just been so bad over the last few seasons. But this year, the at least the start to the season has obviously played out very differently. And later on in the year, there may come a time when Daniel Jones has to answer some of those questions. And, of course, we will have to inevitably see how that plays out. But that is the one question that I have about the Giants. But having said all of that, they are off to a really good start. And I guess I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction that Brian Dayball will, in fact, take home this year's Coach of the Year award, at least up until this point in the season. Uh, Third thing I want to talk about is what's going on with the Bucks and the Packers. I'm going to start with the but with the bucks, and I know that a lot of you listening might might ask me, Jim, what do you mean? What's wrong with the bucks? They have Tom Brady playing quarterback for them, the goat. And yes, I completely understand that, but of course. As we all know, uh, Father Tom, the Tom Brady may have won seven Super Bowls up until this point, but none of those Super Bowls have been played and won against Father Time. And as we all know, Father Time is undefeated even against goats like Tom Brady. And I think it needs to be taken into account that the man is 45 years old. And obviously, Tom Brady's also going through some shall shall we say, other situations in his personal life. I'm not going to get into the details of what those are on this show, but obviously, I think mentally, uh, he's facing a few challenges at the moment, 
shifting gears back to what the Bucks have on the field. Uh, the injuries at receiver obviously have not helped. When you have Julio Jones dealing with injuries, Russell Gage dealing with injuries, obviously Mike Evans was suspended for one game. And of course, Gronk is no longer in the fold either. And as we all know, uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski have gone together like peanut butter and jelly over the years. Going back to their, of course, days with the New England Patriots. But losing all of those weapons is obviously a big hit for Tom Brady. And the offensive line, it, it also doesn't help that the offensive line is not what, what it has been the last few seasons. Certainly it's not what it was two years ago when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. But despite, to be fair to the Buccaneers here, and Tom Brady, the one thing that they do have going for them is that they are in an absolutely garbage division in the NFC South. And other than the, I would say, the Atlanta Falcons or the second best team in that division right now, uh, I do think that the Bucks' biggest enemies are themselves. And, of course, we will inevitably have to wait and see what happens with Tampa Bay when the end of the season rolls around. I do think that they're still going to end up winning that division. But... Again, we will have to wait and see. Uh, what's going on with the Packers, you may ask? Uh, the Packers basically have no receivers at the moment because they're sort of waiting on their younger guys to step up and develop, namely uh, Ro Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson, the two draft picks from this past April. And the fact that it's taking this long for the younger receivers to develop, and obviously the fact that Devontae Adams is no longer there and blah, 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 is... Very, fr I would imagine, very frustrating to a quarterback such as Aaron Rodgers. And he is, uh, Aaron Rodgers has obviously found ways to channel his frustration, namely the uh, Pat McAfee show, in talking about possibly adding guys like 
Odell Beckham Jr. And I think over the course of the next few weeks, we may, we may see an even harder push by Aaron Rodgers, assuming the L.A. Rams don't strike first, to pick up Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm thinking that Aaron is probably going to go to Odell and say, Look, man, you've got to help me out here. You've got to come to Green Bay. I mean, I'm throwing to guys like Romeo Do-Nothing and Christian Whatchamacallit. I mean, I need some help, okay? And those are, of course, uh, Romeo Do-Nothing and Christian Whatchamacallit or just my little nicknames that I made up for them if I were in the head of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not speaking for Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Although, I, I can't help but I can't help but think we do have a similar mindset as far as the Packers wide receiver situation is concerned. But I do think that Green Bay will try to pick up another receiver at some point. Uh, Odell is obviously the one name that jumps out. DJ Moore is another name that jumps out as well. And uh, a third name is Jerry Judy, potentially, because of the struggles that the Denver Broncos have been having over the course of the year. And, of course, as always, Broncos country, let's ride. But the Packers are desperately in need of some help at the receiver position, and at least as a feller until Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson develop into where Green Bay wants them to be, I think that adding another receiver either through free agency, i.e. Odell Beckham, or the trade market, especially before the November 1st trading deadline comes up, is that are definitely two avenues that the Packers could go down. Uh, the last thing that I'm going to talk about today, as far as the NFL is concerned, is, and I started, I started with a question about the Tennessee Titans at the top of the show, and I guess I'm going to close with the most cliche question ever in terms of the NFL world, which is, how about them Cowboys? 
And reason I say that is because even despite losing Dak Prescott, uh, Cooper Rush was able to keep them in the hunt by going 4-1 and one in Dak's absence. And, of course, keeping allowing them to keep pace with the New York Giants and, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. And, of course, Dak has obviously returned since the uh, game with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Obviously, Dallas ended up losing that game, and that was Cooper Rush's last game as the starter leading up to this past week when Dak took the reins back over and the Cowboys went on to defeat the Detroit Lions. But having said that, Cooper Rush obviously did more than the Cowboys were asking him to do. Of course, which was which was of course to go out there, don't try to but don't try to be the hero, and don't make any mistakes. And he certainly, Cooper Rush certainly did that, and then some for the Dallas Cowboys. But Dak is back, and the. Cowboys are finding themselves in probably about the same position they expected to be in if Dak had not gone down with an injury, but certainly with the situation that they ended up finding themselves in, they are obviously overjoyed with where they are. I've I've also got to give a little bit of a shout-out to the Cowboys' defense. Obviously, they've stepped up over the course of the last few weeks as well with Micah Parsons, and I, I guess I want to stress this about how, of course, many of you sports fans out there are familiar with the name Stephen A. Smith, uh, one of the things that I've noticed over the course of the last few weeks or so is that Stephen A. Smith has referred to Micah Parsons as the second coming, the quote, second coming of Lawrence Taylor. And obviously, I think that that is a huge stretch. And of course, Stephen A., as we all know, likes to, shall we say, over-exaggerate at times. But he has nonetheless said 
that Micah Parsons is the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Obviously, I do think that is a bit of a stretch. Having said that, Micah, I do think that Micah Parsons is the unquestioned leader of that Dallas Cowboys defense. And then I'm going to rattle off some of his numbers pretty quickly. Uh, Micah Parsons has 31 tackles and 7 sacks. Trayvon Diggs is also another piece that is very valuable to that Cowboys defense as well. He has three interceptions on the season and is obviously the unquestioned leader of that secondary in particular. But the one question that I have about the Cowboys is can they sustain this? Because obviously they do have to deal with the Philadelphia Eagles in their division who they've already lost to once. And since ever since that loss, the Eagles have made some moves. They just picked up Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears, which is going to make that defense in Philadelphia even scarier. But they've got to deal with them. But when you look around the NFC and you see the struggles that are going on with some of the other quote-unquote contenders, Green, I'm going to single out Tampa Bay and Green Bay in particular. When you look at all of that, you have to ask yourself, can the Cowboys get over the hump this year and not shoot themselves in the foot? Obviously, that's something that they've struggled with over the course of the last few decades, quite frankly. Ever since the, of course, big Super Bowl runs from the 1990s. But the Cowboys have, have found ways to keep shooting themselves in the foot. And the playoff, certainly the playoff game against the 49ers last year is the one big thing that stands out in my mind. But because of the run that Cooper Rush had them on, when you add that with Dak returning, and of course Dak is obviously the better quarterback of the two. He is the franchise. And the fact that he is back 
is obviously going to help the case for the Cowboys and Cowboys fans in particular to say, can we keep this going? Can we sustain this? Can we come out on top in the NFC East, potentially, which is obviously the biggest question that will have to be answered because I think three playoff teams may end up coming out of that division with the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. But certainly there's going to be a lot of fireworks over the remainder of the season as it relates to the NFC East race. So that is it for the Cowboys. One more thing that I want to touch on very quickly before I get to the World Series at the very end is the San Francisco 49ers, of course, picking up Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. We will obviously have to wait and see how that move transpires because I don't think Christian McCaffrey has been fully acclimated to that system yet in San Francisco. And obviously there's some connections to be made between the McCaffreys and the Shanahans. Of course, Christian's dad, Ed, played for Kyle's dad, Kyle Shanahan's dad, Mike Shanahan, and of course now Christian McCaffrey is playing for Kyle Shanahan. So there's some personal familiarity, I suppose, but we will have to wait and see how CMC acclimates himself to that offense. Alrighty, as it relates to the World Series between the Astros and the Phillies, I suppose I'm going to make a prediction here, which is really tough because both of these pitching staffs are phenomenal, which is, and is are the main reasons what reason why I think both of these teams are where they are, other than the Phillies momentum sweeping in to help them, which is obviously something that helped the Braves out last season but obviously did not help them out this season. <laughs> but obviously, and I've said this before on the show, I have to tip my cap to the Phillies for the run that they have been on this season. Uh, but both of these pitching staffs are absolutely... Phenomenal. 
but and it's it's a it is a really tough matchup to predict, but my at the end of the day, I am going to have to go with my gut here, and my gut is telling me that the Houston Astros are going to find a way to win this series in seven games. And obviously there's a lot of things to like about the Phillies. Obviously the, you have guys like Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, and uh, JT Realmuto, just to name a few. But the Astros, I just feel, have got a lot to prove, especially data, not, not even, not just including last year's World Series when they obviously lost to the Braves, haha. But even going back to the whole cheating scandal from 2017, which obviously I was no fan of. But having said that, Houston does find themselves with a little bit of a, of a large chip on their shoulder. And I think that in se throughout the course of a seven-game series, they are going to find a way to channel that frustration against the Philadelphia Phillies. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the pitching staffs line up in particular, but they've all both teams also have tons of talent on their lineups as well. Uh, the Phillies with everybody that I just mentioned, but also from Houston's perspective, you've also got guys like Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, just to name a couple. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out over the course of the next week or so, however long it takes them to get through the series. But as far as what my prediction is, I do think Houston is going to end up winning in seven games. And with all of that being said, that is pretty much all of the time that I have for today. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast, and I'll see you soon.